staying focused because I mean, Joe, as you know, it's a lot of different investing out there. It's a lot of different avenues, lanes you can go in. I think you just have to really figure out what works for you. Best ever listeners, we've got the best ever conference coming up in February. What? February? Yes. I know that's a long way away, but if you want to save on the tickets, then get them now at besteverconference.com because the earlier you buy them, the more money you'll save on them. So go to besteverconference.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Theo Jones, how you doing, my friend? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Joe. Well, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Theo. He is doing fix and flips. He's also developing a vacation rental in the U.S. Virgin Islands. He bought his first investment property eight years ago at the ripe age of 22 years old. And he's got a construction business where he helps real estate investors in the construction field. He's based in Atlanta, Georgia, but he does his fix and flips in Louisiana. And he's got his construction business in Atlanta. And he is developing, as I said, in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So we're going to talk to him all about this stuff. So that being said, Theo, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yes, sir. Thanks, Joe. I'm originally from Northern California, a place called Oakland, California. And I moved to Atlanta at the age of 20. And upon moving here, like most people, everyone's trying to get new opportunity when they move. So riding down the interstate and I keep hearing the real estate commercials, come on down, come on down. It's free. Come to the course. I went. Rich dad education. And then from there, it just opened up my mind. And then all I did from that course in 2007 to 2009, when I bought my first rental property is just focus on putting my money away. That's Mm -hmm. all I did. And, And focus on studying my market and what I want to do. So that's how I got in. And then from there, it just started to grow. The opportunity, and like you know, Joe, that time of the market, it was just, yes, it was at a downward spiral. It was at a slum, but if you could see the opportunity and you had cash to buy, you could do a lot. And that's basically where I was at. So it took me a couple of years, but I was able to raise money to grow the portfolio. And basically, we were just investing in single family homes, just buying them, fixing them, and renting them out. And that's what I got into. And I'd already known about construction growing up. And then it just gave me more in-depth experience about residential constructions and specializing in the rehab. So that was basically my beginning in getting into real estate and how I got started and how it kind of came to fruition. So your first deal was 22. After attending the Rich Dad Poor Dad seminar, you put the information into action. That's it. And then what did you buy next? My first house was a duplex. And then from there, it was a single family, about a 900 square foot house. All the properties I bought, Joe, I created a portfolio over about six years time. And all those properties were all in the same zip code. So on average, they were 800 to about 1200 square feet, two bedroom, three bedroom. Most of them only had one bathroom. And they were just 1940s, 1950s, cinder block foundation. Majority of them brick houses, just Mm -hmm. the old school Atlanta type houses. Mm -hmm. Do you still have those properties? I just finished selling all those just a couple months ago. 
Okay. Just, I mean, just sold them all. Yeah. So my goal was to create a whole portfolio within that zip code and then sell it to some of these big funds like Invitation Homes and all these big companies now. But their interests, I think, have gone elsewhere. So it took me a long time to sell them all. But I sold most of them individually, some of them as packages. But yeah, they're all sold and made a great profit holding them for three or four years with the cash flow. How many at the peak did you have in total? Oh, man. I really went by the residence because I was managing this. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I think it was it was about 26 residents. And we had a couple multifamily. The six unit is what we just sold. We made a killing on that. So bought that for 140 sold that for 380 three years later. So most of them were duplexes, single family. And then we had that one multifamily, about 26 tenants in Atlanta alone that we were managing. Okay. Let's go with that six unit. You bought it for 140. That's incredible. The 380. How much did you put into it? About a hundred. You put about a hundred. It was about 10k a door, and then termites had ate through the wood. A lot of that had to get replaced in the crawl space. A lot of exterior, all new windows, gutters, fascia, the whole nine. Submetered it. Everything you could think of. That was the other 20, 30, 40 grand we put into it. And that raised it, got it up, and we just sold that one in November. Congratulations on that. With that property, the acquisition cash, the 140, is that your out-of-pocket cash or did you partner with other people? That was cash. I started by myself. A couple years later, my father came out from California, started investing with me too, saw the opportunity. Then we got another investor from New York and just merged everything together. He wanted to invest. So we just created one LLC and put everything under one entity, and it was all cash. We didn't do any financing. Okay. So it's you, your dad, and a New York guy who bought the six unit, and you paid cash for it, the 140 so no debt on it, and then you put an additional 100000 out of pocket into the property. Correct. And that was over... I would say 30 months time, mm-hmm. we put about $100,000 into After every resident moved out, we rehabbed every single unit the exact same way. And with the returns on it, why not maybe put a loan on it now that it's stabilized and get the majority of that cash out and keep the property? Yes, you're 100% correct, Joe. The only problem is that the partnership was just not the best. That was Uh, the problem. We almost financed the whole entire portfolio. We were in contact with Blackstone Lending, B2R. We almost financed everything. Took a blanket loan, but it just wasn't right. But I agree with you. Yes. In the best situation, yes, you refinance that and just go keep it rolling. And that's the thing I think we should talk about a little bit too, Joe. You got to make sure your partnerships are tight because things can go. I don't want to say bad. It's not like we're in a bad situation, but people have different ideas of growth and management and how things should be operated. And that can hinder growth. That's kind of what we do. I had to sell just based off that. And it wasn't any hard blows, but it's just what had to be done. We just couldn't see totally eye to eye. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that. That's going to be helpful for a lot of people. What were some of the sticking points that couldn't be resolved? I think for me, growth. We were probably about 1.5 million total at the peak. My goal was to be at the minimum 3 million mark and then really get a refinance then. 
but everybody has a different risk. Everybody has different tolerance. Everybody just looks at things different. I think his risk level and his tolerance was very different from mine. Mm -hmm. And I assume you're talking about New York, not dad. Would it have been possible to buy out New York partner and then during that refinance stage so that if you did put a loan on the property and you did the cash out refinance and then just buy that person out with whatever cash they would have received if you had sold it? You're 100% correct. And the only reason I didn't do that either is because unfortunately what happened right around that time when we we're getting ready to divest a six unit is the Hurricane Maria hit my house in St. Croix. Still right now, we're just at a point where I just had to kind of liquidate fast. Got it. I didn't want to go through the paperwork, unfortunately, to do it. And I didn't want to create more paperwork for my, not create, but it would have been another speed bump. I think that is an ideal situation, but I've been kind of banged up indirectly over the last year, especially with the hurricane. It really threw us off. So I just said, what is the quickest thing to liquidate, the smoothest thing, so I can transition this money and put it into, unfortunately, like almost emergency situation. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what happened because we liquidated two months after the hurricane. That makes sense. And my thoughts are with you. And, and fortunately, you, you're safe. So fortunately, that's the case. And was that a rental property? Yeah. So that okay. property we started building in 2015 from the ground up, about 3,800 square foot, two level vacation rental in St. Croix on the west side of the island. And we actually started renting it. We had the roof on the top, but the top unit, the personal unit where my mother was, and my mother lived at, she'll be managing that property. The top unit where she would live at was not complete, but we were cash flowing, had our business, everything on the bottom unit. And then the hurricane came and kind of did its thing. So we're just in the mode of reconstructing and rebuilding. And it's a learning lesson. We found a lot of flaws in the construction. So yeah. it's actually a good it's actually a good thing. I hate to say it. Some people look at it as a bad thing, but I hate to say it. I think it's almost a blessing in disguise. And I don't mean a lot of flaws, but we've had engineers out to look at the property and they're saying, hey, this third could be done to prevent this in the future. Because unfortunately, as you know, Joe, we're dealing with this more. So it's a definitely a unique. Was that covered under insurance? No, 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 no. They, no. Wasn't, no, no, unfortunately not. Well, we got FEMA money and... We actually raised a lot of money and gave a lot of money back to the community. It actually was a great thing. But no, they didn't cover it just due to the type of insurance we had because we we're under construction. So it was a lot of little okay. unique, you know. Uh, um, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you live in Atlanta. Correct. You just told us about a property in St. Croix. Correct. And you are building a property in the U.S. Virgin Islands right now. And you are doing fix and flips in Louisiana. Correct. I don't even know the question to ask, but I guess the question is, why all these different areas? There's the question. Okay. That's a great question. UDI Group, my company, we like to go in under-resourced environment. That's the term we use. And we like to go in and figure out how to strategically move in those markets. And we understand the markets that we're in. I understand Atlanta. I've been here for 10 years now. Louisiana, I have family members there and people managing the assets there. So we understand that market well. And my family is originally from the U.S. Virgin Islands. So we understand the opportunities, the market with traveling. And we just understand the markets because we are kind of, we're in the markets. Yep. You see what I'm saying? So that is just kind of 
how we operate. We want to be inside the market that we're living in so we can live it, breathe it, understand it to give it what it needs so we can get the best return back. You got family in each of those markets. Make family, sense. friends, managers, someone that's there on the ground that can give you information that you could not see otherwise. Correct. Where in Louisiana? We're in New Orleans right now. New Orleans. How many fix and flips are you doing right now there? One on the market. It just actually got relisted this morning on the east side in Gentilly right now. Okay. And we're looking for other opportunities. But unfortunately, we're trying to do a little bigger. So we're trying to figure out how we can go in and execute and do something bigger as far as just the individual one-off. So that's what we're strategically looking to do more over the summer. The one that is on the market that got relisted Educate me on what relisted means. Oh, okay. Basically, we have a property. We just tore down, rebuilt it in Gentilly, east side of Louisiana. The price was listed at four fifty nine, which I thought was a little high, but I'm not in the market. So the individual that gave me the information said, this is the price. And we didn't get the offers we wanted. We didn't get the feedback we wanted. We didn't get the viewings we wanted. So we took it off the market in order for it to seem fresh on the listing instead of just dropping the price down. We wanted to take it off the market for a day, then relist it, put it back on fresh with the lowered new price to try to get a little more attention and try to get it locked up and under contract. Okay. It was listed at 459. What's it listed for now? 429. So we did a big, a big drop because we want a bidding war. We don't want the one offer to where it's just one offer. We want multiple. So that's kind of our technique right now. And I know I'm kind of still new to New Orleans a little bit, me personally, but I know we just get out of Mardi Gras and all that. So I think right now we relisted, bam, we should be on a roll coming up this next week. Let's assume it sells for 429. How much did you buy it for and how much did you put into it? It was a Katrina house auctioned off by the city. The land was 21000 The construction was about 175000 mm-hmm. as it stands. So what's that? About A little under two hundred. Yeah, about 200 yeah. And there'll be a couple little fees and stuff on top of that. So yeah, around, around that, a little more than 200 Cool. And just curious, those, the couple other fees, what are they? Agent, just having insurance, title, okay. all, you know, all that. The Fair clothes, stage in it, the power, all the little things, the gas bill, all those little things that seem to pop up and add up at the end of the numbers that we kind of take for granted. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Yeah. What's been your most profitable project? I would have to say probably this one coming up would be profitable, but the work was obviously involved. So for me, the most profitable one also probably was the six unit, but there was a lot of work involved there. So if you ask me personally, I bought a, another six unit burnt, but it was four blocks from the Georgia Dome. And as you know, they just tore down and rebuilt the new Falcon Stadium. So this was about two or three years ago, bought it, six unit burnt, 35000 cash. I think six months later, sold it for, I think, eighty grand. did mm-hmm. nothing to it. Just sat on it. Y'all just sat on it. Just, of course, as soon as we got the $80,000 and locked up, we got offers for one fifty. Mm-hmm, of course, so, but, you know, <laughs> you know hindsight's twenty twenty. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and it's all good. It worked out, but for me to do that in four months without doing anything, to me, that was probably 
the best for me in hindsight. Even though it was a small deal, it still was pretty decent money. For oh, absolutely. And when you say burnt, you're talking about like the whole thing was burnt to the ground or is it something else? The funny thing is, Joe, it's a great question. It was an older gentleman. He owned four apartment complexes. We were trying to buy them all. But I got so frustrated with him because he kept going back and forth that all the other units were rented and he wouldn't come up with the leases. So I'm like, well, let me just buy the one. And by the time we bought it, yeah, 14, these are very rough neighborhoods in Atlanta. Unfortunately, somebody burnt up the top unit, but they didn't totally get burnt to the ground. It, it was fixable. It was repairable. But I think the ideal thing there was to tear down and rebuild because that was already zoned for redevelopment. It already has all the TADs. Everything you could ever want is right there in that area. Anything you could get from the city, grants, all that. So I think that was kind of a great selling point. And he did not know how to market the property with those things. So that's what we were able to do. But yeah, it was a little distressed with the burnt part. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? For me, it's narrowing it down, staying focused. Because I mean, Joe, as you know, it's a lot of different investing out there. It's a lot of different avenues, lanes you can go in. I think you just have to really figure out what works for you. I understand distressed environments. A lot of the properties we did rentals was with the housing authority, also known as section eight. So I understand that. That's what I understand. And I think me going into high-end rentals, I don't not understand it, but I don't totally understand it. But I think people go into other lanes because they see money, 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 money on the outside. But if you don't know how to operate something, you can have a Ferrari, but if you don't know how to drive a stick or the paddle shifter, it's not really just going to work <laughs> out for you. So at the end of the day, to me, management is my number one thing. And that's my best advice. If you cannot manage it, and I actually worked for big, big management companies for a while back in 2014 and 15. If you cannot manage it, I just think it's pointless. Or having someone that can manage it and focusing, narrowing it down and sticking in your lane and perfecting your lane and what you do and do it the best. When you work for the big management company for those two years, what's something that you learned that you now apply to your business? Oh my goodness. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> It was actually an Inc. 500 company. And we were managing in that office alone in Atlanta, probably at our peak, about 3,000 doors. For anybody that knows the big funds, we were managing Tricon, American Homes, Waypoint, Colony, all those big, big funds. And that's who really who I study. And that's kind of who I model what I've done after. But Joe, the best thing, and this is what I call it, the landlord-tenant psychology to it. It's yep. understanding at times, like, are you really dealing with a problem or is there not really a problem? So it's really getting down to what is the core issue? Are you just not happy or is your toilet really broke? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? People may not be happy and they're calling it, they're going on and on and on. They got this laundry list of repairs, but it's like, is that really something that's really broke or is that something that you're upset about something else? So for me, it's really getting down to the core issue because I really want to help people but I know there's some things I cannot help them with. And we provide, for lack of a better word, when we were in our heyday, when we had all our Section A rental properties, the inspectors, as soon as they walked in, they knew, they knew. Because it's just the quality is just impeccable to anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's just for me, it's providing the top-notch quality and providing service. And I learned a lot in management on how to do that better, how to do it more effectively, and how to deal with people, how to talk with people, and how to get things done 
in a timely manner. If I am one of your tenants and I call you up and I say, Theo, my toilet's broken, what do you say? Well, first of all, it's going to be all entered in online. So you put it in, we're going to come out there. But if your toilet's broken, your blind needs to be fixed, this, that, my you know what I mean? And it's a long barrage of things. Uh-huh. We'll come, we're going to come look at it all, of course, but is it really broke? We're just trying to make sure. You know what I mean, Joe? Is the toilet really broke? Yeah, we're going to fix it. But I have one tenant. I just want to try to keep this short. One tenant, I learned a lot from him. He would turn off the breakers and say that the heater was broke. he just wanted some attention he liked you guys so much he just wanted a friend to hang out with you're right and we provided him great service don't get me wrong but we had to draw the line like hey bro you're creating issues so we're going to provide you a great service a timely service and i think you're right joe that people are so surprised when we pop up same day next morning instead of that three-day gap to get the call back that people do appreciate it to a certain extent and some people will take advantage of it so i think that kind of what happen at a situation, but we want to provide the best service. When the inspectors came to look at our house, the next day, our policy is have the house finished. We just want things done swiftly. We want people's service swiftly because I think that reduces the problems in the long term. The faster you can react to your residents, I think the less problems you'll have moving forward. That's probably also some of my best. Absolutely. That is a fact for not only residences, but investors and customers and anyone who works with you in life. Relationships, wives, husbands, everything. All right, we're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready, sir. Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, we've got the best ever conference coming up in February. What? February? Yes. I know that's a long way away, but if you want to save on the tickets, then get them now at besteverconference.com because the earlier you buy them, the more money you'll save on them. So go to besteverconference.com. The Invest This podcast interviews the elite in real estate investment to uncover the secrets to building an empire in every aspect of real estate investment. Visit investthispodcast.com. That's I-N-V-E-S-T-T-H-I-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com for the top 10 real estate books to build your empire and to learn more. Okay, best ever book you've read. 8020 Principal Richard Koch. Nice. Perry Marshall's got a book called 8020 on marketing and sales. That's a really good one too. You'll probably like that. Check that out. Best ever deal you've done that we haven't talked about already. Best ever deal I've done on one block in Atlanta. I bought four properties. None of them were on the market. Two of them I bought from private real estate funds with no agent. Then sold them all together as a package deal to another investor about three years later after making some great cash flow. I think that was one of my best deals because the people on the block really appreciated what we did. It really means a lot. I still drive down the block. People still get out, give me hugs and stuff. So that really means the most out of all of them. Yeah. Brings things to life for what you're doing versus the P&L statements. It's pretty cool. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Man, um, <laughs> I think it's just not looking through things close enough. Russian. Mother always tell me, slow down, slow down, slow down. So I think <laughs> it's Russian. 
it's really no specific deal, but it's just not looking at things. It's several deals that I just, like I bought five properties at one time. And the whole time, one of the properties, I was looking at the wrong property. And I didn't realize to like the day of the closing, oh my God, I was looking at the wrong property the whole time. <laughs> so I had to tell that to my investor too. So just, just moving too fast, but it still worked out. Don't get me wrong. It's still, the deal was still so good. It could have not even came with that house, but just moving too fast and not checking everything. And Joe, as you know, checking the contracts, hiring attorneys, hiring accountants. Don't overlook those little things. We trying to save money, but you're not saving money. So just don't think you can do stuff fast in this game. Best ever way you like to give back? I like to go into schools and talk. I like to talk about exactly what we talked about here. I like to talk about the kids, how I took my $5,000, bought my first rental property and collected over $75,000 of rent and then sold that property for 150 grand. For me, it shows them it's possible because I always ask them, you guys can save up $5,000, right? They all say yes. So that's one of my best things. I just enjoy that. I love going into schools and just trying to put it in perspective that there's other things that you can do besides what we've been taught in school. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? The best way by email. So it would just be info at theloniascjones.com. I'll spell my name T-H-E-L-O-N-I-O-U-S-C as in Charlie, then Jones, J-O-N-E-S, and pretty much all my social media is Thelonious C. Jones. Check me out there. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, the whole barrage. And I get back, hit me up though on email. I get with the emails the fastest. So if you really want to get with me, hit me there. And I look forward to hearing from anybody. Thank you so much for spending some time with us and talking about your business, your approach, the partnership advice where having alignment of interest, especially with growth and how things are managed, different risk tolerances, how you approach. You gave us a lot of different case studies for deals from the New Orleans one that you just relisted to the six unit that was four blocks away from the Georgia Dome and then the landlord tenant psychology too. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Joe. The Invest This podcast interviews the elite in real estate investment to uncover the secrets to building an empire in every aspect of real estate investment. Visit investthispodcast.com. That's I-N-V-E-S-T-T-H-I-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com for the top 10 real estate books to build your empire and to learn more.